On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a big-name Tesla semi-buyer says his company expects delivery of Tesla's 18-wheeler soon. Does he know something we don't? Plus, Tesla is leading by example at its factories with regard to renewable energy. Two popularly requested new software features get added to the fleet and more. Greetings, friends. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and to my left, a happy and tired Daisy the Boxer. She is fed and walked, so she is happy, and so am I. It's been another good week of Tesla news. It is episode 328 here for November 14th, 2021. I wanted to let you know I am recording earlier than usual this week. It's Thursday night, and that is due to a major work project that I have starting up on Friday. I wanted to allocate as much time as possible for that, even into Friday night. So if anything major pops up in the world of Tesla on Friday, I will cover that on next week's show. Before I get started, let me say this for what feels like the 17th time this year. And granted, I pulled the number 17 out of my head right there. It might not actually be too far off, and that is the price increase. Yes, yet another price increase. The Model Y up another $1,000, $59,000 for the long-range Model Y, $64,000 for the performance Model Y, should you opt for that. Of course, the performance Y will get delivered to you much sooner than the long-range version will. I have nothing left to say on this after just giving the same rap last week after that price increase. So I guess really the only thing to be said at this point, which could have been said many times and maybe I have already said it, is if you're on the fence, get your order in soon. Maybe it's worth losing the $250 non-refundable deposit if you change your mind in the next you know, assuming you're ordering a long range, you've got about a six month wait. So maybe lock it in now and roll the dice that if you change your mind, you won't get that 250 back. But uh, the odds are that the price is going to go up again. I mean, it's been going up so frequently so many times this year and particularly lately that the odds are good at this point, unfortunately, that if you do order today, lock in your order, the price is going to be higher by the time you take delivery, which again, you will be locked in at today's price versus waiting to order. So that's about all I have to say about that. Let's get to the big topics this week, starting with the Tesla Semi. Pepsi's CEO Ramon LaGuarta said that the company is expecting its first delivery of Tesla Semi trucks in the fourth quarter. That would be now. 2021, Q4 of 2021, not fiscal, not, you know, two quarters from now because some companies do, you know, fiscal calendars that don't align with the Roman calendars that we all go by, but the actual, you know, right now. So this story came via CNBC and it was Mr. LaGuardia was speaking from the COP26 uh, emissions, you know, clean energy environment conference there. And he says... Quote, transportation is about 10% of our overall gas emissions. He's speaking, of course, for the company of PepsiCo. So it's important, and we're working on different solutions. 
We replace our fleet regularly, every 10 years more or less, and we're already starting to buy electric trucks actually from Tesla. I mean, I don't wanna promote anybody, but that's the brand we're using so far, and we're getting our first deliveries this Q4, end quote. He did not say how many trucks the company is expecting to receive. Now, this is interesting, of course, because as you probably recall from not that long ago, it was two earnings calls ago, Elon Musk said that the Tesla Semi was delayed right along with the Roadster, and for that matter, the Cybertruck. It's probably not coincidentally that the uh, delayed vehicles are the most... (laughs) The ones that will consume the most 4680 battery cells. The semi-hogging, uh, rumored, you know, the, the rumor is one megawatt hour of the battery pack there. Meanwhile, the Tesla Roadster, 250, or excuse me, 200 kilowatt hours, although that was before the 4680s came along, so maybe that won't quite be an apples to In fact, it definitely won't be an apples to apples thing on the kilowatt hours there. But And then the Cybertruck, you know, the, the tri-motor Cybertrucks will have large battery packs as well, but... Anyway, point being, this feels a little early. This uh, goes against what Tesla has said what, and now what this Pepsi CEO is saying. I mean, it would make sense if both parties are willing for uh, Tesla to actually make Pepsi effectively a customer beta tester. I mean, that could be the situation here. Or nobody told the CEO of Pepsi. That's, I mean, it is also a possibility if nobody, you know, he's the, the, per, the CEO's got a lot going on. They have direct reports, people reporting up to them. It is possible that he literally did not get the memo because it's not like the CEO of Pepsi has time to sit around listening to Tesla earnings calls. So I don't know. Uh, by the way, just a fun fact, as I record this episode here, this is the episode for, as I said, November 14th. This episode marks four years ago now since the Tesla Semi and the next-generation Tesla Roadster were unveiled and orders reservations started being taken for both. Sadly, we are still waiting on both of those cars to hit the market. Uh, But as I said, it could make sense for Pepsi to effectively become a willing customer beta tester because Tesla would get a ton of real-world vehicle data from, from Pepsi, And they would get, equally valuably, feedback from an actual client using the trucks in the real world. And Tesla, as I said, you know, both parties win there. Tesla gets data, Pepsi gets the trucks that they ordered literally four years ago. So we'll see what happens with this. Now, as to which of those options it is, whether the CEO of Pepsi didn't get the memo or Tesla really does plan to deliver some trucks to Pepsi... I don't know. I'm honestly not sure which one it is. I mean, maybe Tesla will take some of the initially the initial viable 4680 cells coming off the, the Cato line, the Cato Road line here in Fremont, and put them in semis for Pepsi. I would think if they're going to do that, they would have to get official sign-off from the U.S. government in order to deliver them to a real paying customer. Like, in, in essence, what I'm trying to say is, the semi would have to officially be released here in 2021 for that to happen, even if Tesla doesn't intend to deliver any other trucks to anyone else until 2022 at the end of the year, or even 2023. So again, this does 
fly in the face of what Elon has said and what we've been hearing about the 4680s. But then again, I did tell you about how there are those new mega charger stations that have now been installed at Giga Nevada. So maybe that was for more than just a beta fleet of semis. Not that that's, I mean, of course, not that the Pepsi fleet's going to be constantly pulling through Giga Nevada. They've got other places to go, but, you know, maybe the, the mega chargers have to start getting installed because there are real trucks that are going to start getting delivered rather than just the test fleet that I speculated about when I first told you about the mega chargers at Giga Nevada, what, just a few weeks ago, I think. I am leaning towards these deliveries to Pepsi not happening. Like if I were to just place a small wager in Las Vegas, I would put my money down on Pepsi not getting these trucks. But Mr. LaGuarta was pretty clear in his words there. And he's also the one writing the check to Tesla. So theoretically, he knows more than I do. I'm just a guy in my home office doing a podcast about Tesla each week. I don't have the... uh, quite the connection that he does as somebody who's spent, you know, whatever it is, a million plus dollars on Tesla semi-trucks with Tesla. So we've got here about six weeks left in 2021. So one way or the other, this question will be answered in the next six weeks. Next up this week, Tesla is making good on its promise to install solar panels at its facilities. This story comes via Teslarati. There is a new almost uh, half a megawatt project down there at uh, the factory in Fremont and a second project that is just over half a megawatt and also a 1.4 megawatt project, all three underway at the Fremont factory. And as Tesla Roddy notes, according to new documents and filings with the city of Fremont, Tesla is installing a new 0.435 megawatt DC solar panel project on building eight of the Fremont factory. Tesla representatives told Teslarati that building eight is likely a paint building or a boiler room, but could not confirm the exact details. Tesla did not immediately respond to Teslarati's request to clarify what the building was used for. As noted in Tesla's recent environmental impact report, though, this has, of course, long been part of the plan. In that environmental impact report, it says, quote, Gigafactory Nevada was designed to be covered with solar panels. To date, we've installed solar panels with a capacity of 3,200 kilowatts. This installation will grow to about 24,000 kilowatts, the whole roof of the current building structure by the end of next year, meaning 2022. This will make it the largest rooftop solar installation in the United States. And they continued in that same environmental impact report. We are installing solar panels at other locations too, such as, here it is, our Fremont factory, Lathrop facility, and Gigafactory New York, the company added. Which, I mean, Giga New York, Giga Buffalo makes a lot of sense because what do they make at Giga Buffalo? They make solar panels, among other things. So, yes, it would make perfect sense to make them and then install them on that very roof. But anyway, as for this Fremont project, these technically three Fremont projects or one greater project, it's great to see. It really is because to boil this down to the simplest of things, Tesla should lead by example with regard to renewable energy. I mean, it's right there in the mission statement. I say it all the time. They say it all the time. 
So Tesla should be as close to carbon neutral. Heck, it'd be amazing to see them get to carbon, carbon negative someday as they can possibly be. Now, I have no idea how feasible that is, not just being carbon negative, but even being carbon neutral. I just don't know what the math would be on how efficient Tesla's solar panels are and how much factory the, cons- the how much power the factory consumes and how much roof real estate there is and thus how much power could be generated versus how much Tesla uses. But uh, no matter how much square footage there is on the roof of the, by the way, very large Fremont factory, if you've never been here, if you've never seen it, it is impressive, even from a distance, even from the freeway, which actually the freeway off-ramp, like you kind of, the, the freeway exit that's closest to the factory, you kind of come up and then you go over an overpass and then you kind of come down to the factory. So you kinda, you do get a good look at it when you're actually just approaching it. And it's huge. So imagine that whole thing covered in solar panels. That would be pretty darn cool. But again, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, my guess is no matter how much square footage is on those rooftops, they wouldn't be able to offset the 24-7 power needs that the factory needs to build cars constantly. The, the lines are always running. But I don't know. But still, the point is, this is really good to see from Tesla. Because again, it's, it's, just, it's, it's setting a good example. Bravo to Tesla for doing just that. Next this week, a fun little tidbit about the Generation 3 Tesla wall charger, which is the one currently for sale in the Tesla store for $500. This was spotted by a Tesla Motors Reddit user who says uh, anyone with a Gen 3 wall connector that is publicly available can manage their charger to be used as pay-for-use charging. Also, managing the assets, pricing, and analytics are possible through that Gen 3 wall charger. Cool stuff, as the user notes. And now this uh, this Reddit user spotted this on the Tesla website. There is a page for commercial registration for wall connectors. And on there it lists pay-for-use charging. Property managers will be able to collect a fee for the electricity they provide drivers. That's straight off the Tesla website. Now this is made technically possible, of course, by the fact that the Gen 3 wall chargers are Wi-Fi enabled, whereas the Gen 2 and Gen 1 chargers are not. And the hope here, at least as far as I'm concerned, is that apartment building managers are gonna be encouraged to install these Gen 3 chargers for tenants since they will be able to monetize it. They'll be able to make money with it. And if they do put them in as a business opportunity at their rental properties, What's that going to do? Well, it's going to encourage the further adoption of electric vehicles since renters will then feel more comfortable buying electric cars knowing that they can charge it at home and don't have to rely entirely on public charging. So presumably the owners of those chargers will be able to set their own price. So it'll be up to them to make a fair deal But if they just set it to, I don't know, maybe about the same price as a supercharger electricity rate, then that will probably feel pretty fair to most owners who would pull up and and use this pay-per-use Gen 3 charger 
and then in that in, in that case too, you know, you know that the property owner is going to make a little bit of money, but yet that price is going to feel familiar and thus probably reasonable to the Tesla owner. So we'll see what happens with this. This is a really cool thing to uh, to see. It, it's a it's a small but I think important evolution in the quest to make EVs really usable for everyone and not just homeowners. It's a very, very important thing that has to happen for all electric vehicles, Tesla and otherwise. Next this week, those of you with Autopilot 2.0 Model S's or Model X's that have paid for full self-driving and already have your Hardware 3 computer, well, you guys are now eligible to get your Autopilot cameras upgraded. This comes from the FSD computer support page on Tesla's website. It says, as a sort of a you know frequently asked questions, am I eligible for, compl- for the complimentary camera replacements? And then the answer being, if you have purchased full self-driving capability and have early production cameras on your Model S or Model X vehicle built prior to September 2017, you are eligible to receive complimentary camera replacements. Only the early production cameras will be replaced with cameras uh, with a different type of color sensor. Camera replacements are not needed on Model 3 vehicles. Because, of course, the Model 3 did release technically in 2017, but those have all Model 3s, and thus Model Ys too, have the same camera suite. So those invites, by the way, if you're curious if you fall into that category, those invitations for those complimentary camera upgrades have started going out, but you have to get the invitation in your email before you can schedule that installation through your Tesla app. That same page that I just quoted from does say that it can be done as mobile service as well as, of course, at a service center. So that's good news. It can be done right in your home or or at your office, wherever the car is going to be for a while. Tesla says that replacement service takes about an hour. Now, the repeater cameras I've seen when I've been at Immaculate Reflections, as Jeff's done detail work to my car, those uh, those repeater cameras on the fenders, they pop right out. They are super easy to take out. And I think the, uh, the B-pillar cameras are pretty quickly accessed as well. I think that whole B-pillar panel pops right off, and then you can just fish the camera out from the back and swap it out. I would suspect it would be the... The the three cameras in the mirror housing on the windshield, those I would imagine of at least of the set would be the most annoying. Now, uh, I'm not sure if the the backup camera is one that gets replaced as well. If it is, that you can you can tell. I mean, that pops right in, pops right out too. It's it's just it's just there. It's not like in any sort of real housing. But the point being here is that I am very. Glad to see Tesla taking care of those 2016, 2017 Model S and X owners who committed their money to FSD earlier than anyone else, because that's when FSD first started rolling out, was on those 2016, 2017 Model S's and X's. The three hadn't come around yet, and obviously neither neither had the Y. So that's important. Those are the ultimate early adopters, those S and X owners. Good to see Tesla taking care of those folks now as this free camera upgrade starts to be made available to them. Still a couple more stories for you this week. 
More good news, an update on a long-requested new feature for our cars comes from Teslarati here. Hints of Tesla's cloud-synced driver profiles were sprinkled in the code of its latest over-the-air software update, uh, version 2021.40. A new feature labeled cloud profiles was spotted under driver profiles. It gave drivers the option to enable vehicle sync. And as Teslarati writes this up, According to Notes Tesla app, cloud profiles aren't quite ready yet. However, the UI of cloud profiles in Tesla's 2021.40 update gives users a sneak peek at the feature's functions. When drivers activate the Enable Vehicle Sync option, it will sync their driver profiles to other vehicles listed in their Tesla app. Elon Musk first confirmed the cloud profiles feature would come back in 2019. At the time, he stated that driver profiles would be tied to specific phone keys. News of the feature resurfaced earlier this year. In February, Tesla's white hat hacker, Green the Only, who I mentioned a good bit on this show, found evidence that the company was preparing to introduce cloud profiles to drivers. Thank you, Tesla Roddy. Well, this should be pretty, pretty imminent, I would think. By the way, are you guys watching the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm? I love that show. Anyway, um, that aside, Elon did, he did even recently say that this feature was coming soon. He, direct quote, coming soon. So this has been in the pipeline for a little bit, and here it is. Now, as I've said before, I think this feature is going to be great for multi-Tesla households, which, as I've said, there will be many, many more multi-Tesla households as the Model 3 and Model Y production continues to increase. And also, by the way, when the Cybertruck goes into production next fall and down the road, still, you'll have more and more multi-Tesla households when that $25,000 car that Tesla Shanghai is designing out of their Shanghai Design Studio gets put into production and shipped around the world and gets added to a ton of existing Tesla owners' garages as well. So this is a this is a good fe- a feature that even if it doesn't seem ne- like it's necessarily going to be super amazing now for most people, it's going to be pretty relevant for more and more Tesla owners as time goes on. And it will also be fantastic for the Hertz rentals. I mean, what a wonderful convenience it would be If you could fly to your destination vacation or maybe business trip and just rent a Model 3 from Hertz and then get in the car, log into your profile in the Hertz car and have your mirrors, seat position, driving settings all exactly the way you have them at home. Now, it sounds like that won't be possible with this first version of Cloud Profiles since it did say that it only works right now with other cars in your Tesla app. In other words, cars on your own account, which a rental obviously wouldn't be. But I suspect that like many new features before it, such as Sentry Mode, that one feature, Cloud Profiles, will be improved over time and added to over time, built out over time. Finally this week, while we're on the subject of fun new software features, Waypoints have finally arrived with software version 2021.40.5. Yes, the navigation feature that the community has asked Elon and the team for for years now 
which Elon, by the way, originally acknowledged last September. I mean, it's it's been asked for for a long time, as I said, years. Elon finally acknowledged it on Twitter last September of 2020. And then he famously, as I've told the story a couple of times on the podcast, he finally acquiesced to it back at the Plaid launch event in June when the crowd literally shouted out for it and then uh, sort of sort of just crowd bullied Elon into it on the spot. And here it is. Here it is from, you know, from June to now November. It is here and it arrives as the feature is add stop. So per the instructions on the release notes, it says add a new stop to your route by pressing the plus icon on the navigation search button and searching for a destination or selecting a pin on the map. I don't personally have this version yet, so I have not been able to test it for myself and give my opinion, but hopefully by the time all of you hear this, many of you will have access to it and can give it a try and see how it does. See if it if it feels useful or if it's, you know, if it's going to need some feedback and some additional work, but hopefully it's going to be awesome straight out of the gate. By the way, can I just point out here for a moment as I come to the end of the news block and I'll get to the Ride the Lightning hotline calls in a second. Just want to point out how cool this is in the grand scheme of things. You know, again, I, as I say on this podcast, I like to pull back to the 10,000 foot view from time to time. It's easy to get, you know, just focused and, and lost down in the details week after week. What's going on right now? What's right in front of me? But pull back pull back to that 10,000 foot view and take a look at it because even if you personally won't use this feature, waypoints, and to be honest, I'm not sure how often I will myself, but just think about what Tesla has normalized for all of us Tesla owners. And that is this, anything that can be reasonably implemented as an over-the-air software update can and often will be done, thus making your car continue to feel fresh, continue to feel new, and be demonstrably, objectively better than when you first got it. I mean, I think that the number one example of this for me, like if you were to ask me, and I've had my car for three years plus now, three years and a few months, and if you were to ask me, Ryan, what is the biggest new feature, or what's your favorite new feature that's been added to the car since you took delivery in July of 2018. Well, the the couple things I think of, I do think about the not one, but two over-the-air acceleration boosts that my Model 3 performance has gotten, which has taken me down to a 3.1 second 0 to 60 time when the car originally was 3.5. So that's pretty darn cool. But the number one thing, my answer to that question, would be sentry mode. That's the big one. That wasn't there when I took delivery. You know, for all of you who've taken delivery in the last, I guess, maybe two years now, because I don't quite remember when Century came in, it's been there for you. And it's a great thing. And it's, it's awesome that it's a, it's a nice value add, but that didn't exist when I took delivery of my car and having a free surveillance system added to my car since I paid for it. I mean, I'm still paying for it, but you know what I mean? That's that's the most amazing feature to me. But hopefully, I mean, for this this waypoints thing, for a lot of people that do a lot of traveling, a lot of road trips, 
this is probably going to be pretty useful for them. So again, just it's it's nice, I think, to appreciate, especially in this day and age of microtransactions for everything, that not only does the Tesla software team continue to update our cars, continue to make them better with new features, they do it for free. You know, I mean, they get paid by Tesla, but we're not charged anything extra for these software updates. I mean, yes, you could make the argument, okay, well, autopilot, full self-driving features, they they come with a price you have to subscribe to, but you know what I mean. It's most of these new features that come to the cars don't cost a dime any, you know, from, from what you've already paid for the car. So I just seriously, as I close out this news segment this week, I want to say thank you to the Tesla software team, truly. We all appreciate your efforts to keep the fun going in our cars. They are more exciting all the time. I mean, they, they all these cars always feel fresh and new because there's always something new being added to them. Maybe it's a new video game. Maybe it's a new feature. You know, it's maybe it's your zero to 60 time gets better from an over the air update. It's just amazing what Tesla has normalized here for Tesla owners. I hope it spreads to the rest of the industry. I mean, there are other cars now with built-in cellular connections that do get updates, but still nobody's doing it the way Tesla's doing it in by by any metric. And just I'm I'm grateful for it. That's all I want to say. Thank you Tesla software team. You guys all rock. All right. Stick with me. I've got plenty more for you coming up in the Ride the Lightning hotline. But first, let me shout out once again, my friends at Wholesome Bakery. I hope you have ordered from wholesomebakery.com already. If you have not, maybe you'll consider doing so here as the holidays rapidly approach. They are a completely plant-based bakery that is just perfect for me. I have a lactose issue. I cannot eat dairy. When I discovered this place, I fell in love. I've told you the the cookie sandwiches are my jam, the coconut cream filling, and then the they're just, you know, they're non-dairy cookies. There's a bunch of flavors, the chocolate chip, the caramel, the mint chocolate, which are uh, kind of like little thin mint style. The um, I also really like the, what was, what's the, oh, the peanut butter, peanut butter chocolate cookie with sea salt. Those are great. But they've got so much else as well. The uh, Their cakes are great, the paleo-friendly fudge brownies, the marzipan truffles, all kinds of great stuff. And again, uh, not just dairy-free, but gluten-free, soy-free, uh, no refined sugar. So these are just, you know, they're treats, yes. They're, uh, I guess it's not, we wouldn't exactly say they're nutritious. But if you're going to have a treat, I mean, these are plant-based. These are These are great. They taste great. Uh, you got to check them out. Wholesomebakery.com. I promise you will not regret if you try these. And if you and if you do feel like ordering, you give them a shot. Do me a little favor. Maybe one more favor if you are going to order. In the notes, just say, you know, just tell them that Ride the Lightning sent you there. And that would uh, that would certainly help let them know that the Ride the Lightning audience is is making a, a difference to their uh, to their business and to their, uh, to their livelihood. They, they deserve it. I love them. I'm so proud to have them as, uh, right here in San Francisco that I can have access to them as somebody who can't eat dairy. So anyway, wholesomebakery.com, get your order in holidays are coming 
W-H-O-L-E-S-O-M-E-B-A-K-E-R-Y.com. And after this quick little musical interlude, I'll be right back with the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Well, after an accidental hiatus last week, because I talked too darn long, there was just too much to get to, the Ride the Lightning Hotline is back. This is your time to be heard here on the podcast. I love this part of the show because I like hearing all of your voices. It's great to hear from everybody. So if you'd like to call in, if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, you can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free call, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up, here's Wes in South Carolina. This is Wes in South Carolina. I'm really stoked about this Hertz 100,000 car deal. But uh, I listen to your opinions about the charging and the benefits of returning the car and not having to gas up and all of this. And I thought about it, and if I were them, I wouldn't turn down any opportunity at all to make money off of a, a rental. Uh, the nickel-dime things, like uh, supercharging. I think they would charge a premium for supercharging. Um, I think they're going to bill people for it, just like they do toll. Uh, you can rent a car right now and, and have to pay the tolls. They bill you for them later. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do with supercharging. Uh, if you plug in at a supercharger, they're going to charge you uh, 5 or $0.10 cents more a kilowatt hour you know, as an administrative fee. And if you return the car to them uh, on empty, they will fill it up at the supercharger rate, although they will probably use a destination charger at the local Hertz office, and they'll use off-peak power rates to do it and trickle it through the night, but they will charge you the supercharger rate. I think that is the plan they would that they should have or would have to, uh, to make money to make up for having to buy these cars at retail price. Okay, that's it. Take care. You know, Wes, I hate to agree with you on this just because with all due respect, I want you to be wrong about this, but you're probably right. Rental car companies practically invented microtransactions. It wasn't video games, although they're really adept at it now, sadly. Anyway, uh, I suppose the silver lining is that returning a Model 3 with a less than full tank should still cost less than doing so in a gas car, you know, even when accounting for paying a, a premium like you describe with on the electricity versus paying the premium that you do on returning a uh, gas-powered rental call uh, car, that is. Thank you for your call and for your <laughs> car call. Oh, boy, it's getting late already. I got to get this podcast. I got to stay sane for another hour or so to get this thing done before I pass out. Anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast, Wes. Here is Jerry from New Jersey. Hi, Ryan. This is Jerry from New Jersey. 
I've been listening to the podcast uh, for a couple months now. Really enjoy the show. Thank you for all you do. Um, I'm also a new Tesla Model 3 owner. I picked up my uh, product red. Oops, wrong company, but I'll, I'll restate that. That's multi-cult red, long range in September, and I'm absolutely loving the car. Question is, and the reason why I said product red is because my wife and I are all in on the Apple ecosystem, inclusive of our music subscription services, which uh, is mainly Apple Music. So I was just uh, wondering, um, you know, through rumor or through any kind of scuttlebutt, have you heard anything about the addition of uh, potentially something like Apple Music to the you know, uh, Model 3 infotainment system. I saw a couple months ago someone posting up a beta screen of it looked like a, when they were in the um, configuration settings of the car, it looked like a toggle switch for Apple Music and or a- Amazon uh, Prime Music. So I just wanted to know, have you heard anything? Uh, is that something we, that could potentially come through? And that's it. Once again, thanks a lot. Uh, love the show, and I will continue listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Jerry, it is always good to hear from the state of New Jersey. It's where I'm from. Shout out to Route 23, a.k.a. the Hamburg Turnpike. Congratulations on your new Model 3. And by the way, welcome to the Tesla community and to the podcast. Anyway, I have some optimism for you. This popped up for it first popped up about a year ago. It was from a Tesla community member who I mentioned actually earlier on this show. He goes by the username Green the Only. He's kind of a renowned white hat Tesla hacker that likes to poke around in the bowels of the car's software. And he says they've been working on it for quite some time. It's a bit of a stub now, so who knows when it actually comes. The title is the next one because uh, the next one, I think, because it actually started to get things populated. And sure enough, title has been spotted in the version 2021.40.5 that I talked about with regard to waypoints earlier in the podcast. So Jerry, your call is excellently timed. Look out for that soon. Next is Dave from Houston sharing a rather unique experience with his Model S Plaid. Hi, Ryan. This is Dave from Houston. I've been a listener for about four years and I was fortunate enough to take delivery of my first Tesla about six weeks ago. I was even more fortunate that my first Tesla is a Model S Plaid, the most amazing car I've ever owned, and I've owned some really uh, fast, uh, high-performance cars. So I'm calling you because I'm driving back from an event in Texas called the Texas Mile, and it's basically an event on a closed airport runway where about 150 really fast cars get to line up and in a safe fashion, see how fast they can go in a mile. So they do, they time you at one quarter mile, half mile, and one mile. And I showed up, it was mostly American muscle, high performance cars and a few European exotics. And I showed up, I was expecting some to be a little cold shouldered, if you will, or snubbed a bit because I was the only EV there. But the reaction was really amazing. Uh, Some of the people knew what a plaid was, and they were really interested and wanted to learn more. But then when we started running, uh, and I was putting down quarter miles in the 148, 149 ranges, time after time like clockwork, 
more and more people started coming by, commenting on the car, wanting to learn more. I can honestly say there were more people gathered around my plaid than any of the other 150 cars there. I must have spoken to 50 people, answered their questions, talked to them about charging, range. I probably let 50 people sit in the driver's seat, try out the yoke, see how it all worked. And by the end of it, I would say they went from tolerating me to embracing me. And it was just a really great experience to find a hardcore ICE community that the car really did the talking and I answered some questions. Very few of the cars there, even though they could go over 200 miles an hour, were anywhere close in the quarter mile and they really got people's attention. So it was a really, really awesome event. It's really the first time I've been around more than one person asking me questions about the Tesla. And I thought you'd really appreciate the story that I probably just converted 150 hardcore car enthusiasts to being uh, having an appreciation for a Tesla. Love your show. Keep up the great work. Dave, thank you for sharing your story. You got firsthand experience of the halo car effect. The Plaid is Tesla's halo car right now. Maybe not by the traditional definition because it's not a supercar per se, but it has the straight line performance of one. I love hearing how many minds you changed or at least opened, right? It's just, it's really fun doing those kinds of events where you get to answer questions about your car from curious people. I got to do that literally every time I took my DeLorean out. I mean, that was just a regular occurrence. And quite frankly, I loved that part of DeLorean ownership. And and I'll be honest with you, I miss that. I mean, I love my Model 3, don't get me wrong, but they are so common in the San Francisco Bay Area, which, I mean, in the spirit of the EV movement and in Tesla's mission, it's a good thing that they're that common. But the thing is, I I very rarely get asked about the car because they're just everywhere around here. So I don't get to, I don't get to, you know, have that fun experience of, of talking about the car with other people. I am very much looking forward to having that experience again with the Roadster. And by the way, I want to do this Texas mile with that car or maybe find a similar event here because that sounds like an absolute blast. Uh, I want to say, Dave, congratulations on your new plaid. That is a heck of a way to make your entrance as an owner into the Tesla community. So welcome and thank you for listening to the podcast. Let's stay in Texas and hear from Pat in Austin. Hey, Ryan, Pat from Austin here. I've been listening since June of 2016 when we put our reservation down on our Model 3 and haven't missed a week since. So really appreciate the time you put in here. Um, I'm another person looking to take advantage of the used car market and upgrade to a Model Y. We've got a growing family. We added a baby and a dog in the last year, and we typically road trip to Michigan every year. So uh, the more room, the better for us. So our situation is uh, we want the car as soon as possible, but also think we may be willing to wait for a few things. And the first thing is we'd love to have an Austin built Model Y. I don't think that'll be a problem seeing that deliveries are in February right now. And then the second thing I'd, I'd love to wait for is the 4860 cells. I don't know if it's possible and you may think I'm crazy, but I think that could future proof us as far as the vehicle goes. Um, my questions are, 
how long do you have or, or how long can you postpone delivery for once your vehicle is ready? Um, I've, I've read three months and I don't know if this is true, but there may be a point where they're ready to deliver it to me, but we're not ready to accept it yet. So uh, we'd love to know the timeline there so we don't lose out on the $250. And then how much time do you have to change any of the options or can you change the options once you put the order in? And that's just around paint color wheels and seven seater versus five seater because I don't know if we're um, completely convinced on either way on those. So appreciate it, Ryan, and talk soon. Pat, thank you so much for being a longtime listener. I will do my best to help you here. And let me preface this by cautioning you Again, I think it could be a while before the 4680 cells start going into the Texas Model Y. I've talked about this repeatedly, but since Tesla has said they've got the plan B to start things off and use the 2170s in Texas, in my opinion, and I, as always, reserve the right to be wrong about this, I think that will buy Tesla a lot of time to properly and fully, that's really the thing, fully ramp the 4680 cell production before making the switch. What I'm less certain about is which factory will get the cells first, Austin or Berlin. Because in my humble opinion, it's unlikely they'll both get the new cells and the structural pack at the same time because I suspect that the cell supply won't ramp that fast enough to support both of those factories at once. And also, Tesla will likely want to convert one factory's production line, learn from it, and then apply those learnings to the other one, along with down the road, Fremont and Shanghai, to do it better and faster as they roll it out in other factories. So maybe Texas would be first, but if I had to guess, and that's all I'm doing here, I think it would be Berlin that would go first. And I'm basing that on just one thing. So again, I may be wrong. There's only one factory in Europe and likely a lower order volume there than the United States. That is to say, it may be logistically easier to switch Berlin over first. Anyway, uh, to your questions, I believe you can push your order out up to six months, but I'm not 100% on that. Somebody else was asking me that on Twitter recently. And uh, you can change your order, but I believe then you move to the back of the line when you do. So I hope that helps, Pat. Thank you so much for your call. Here's Ken from the Scottish Highlands coming up next. Hello, Ryan. This is uh, Ken from Fort William in the Scottish Highlands, a longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, thanks for all you do with your great show. Um, really enjoy it. Uh, I've been a Tesla fan for quite a few years now, um, and I'm looking at getting a model soon, hopefully. Um, I'm needing needing to get a new car for work, um, and I'm considering Model 3, um, but uh, what would be a bit of a deal breaker for me is is whether I can get uh, a family's bikes on the back, uh, a couple of adults and some small kids. Uh, wondering about one of those kind of strapping bike racks, you, you just clip onto the boot, uh, but wondering if there's risks of using that with clips on the back with the uh, the uh, glass roof coming down. And alternatively, looking at those toolbar bike racks, but, um, you know, with the toolbar not being an option officially anymore, I can see there's aftermarket toolbars, um, but just wondering how, how they would be in terms of warranty and if Tesla are still providing the fixings for attaching those. 
uh, with the latest Model 3 um, and uh, you, what, what your impression is of them. Um, look forward to hearing from you. Cheers. Bye. Ken, I confess I've not used any of them, but certainly the rear-mounted bike rack, which would be attached via a tow hitch, would be the more energy-efficient way to go rather than having bikes stood up on top of the roof rack. Plenty of folks use those. Uh, I mean, any third-party item is going to raise a warranty concern for the affected area of the car, so just be aware of that. I would probably go with the rear-mounted rack just for the energy efficiency's sake. And I have one other suggestion. This might be stating the obvious, but better to do that than to leave it unsaid and risk not passing the information along. And that is, order your car with the 18-inch wheels in order to maximize your range in your use case. Even the 19s over the 18s. Uh, are going to make a, a difference for the worse. The 18s are the most efficient way that you can go. Good luck, Ken. Thanks for the call. TJ from Virginia Beach has a Cybertruck order and is up next. Hey, Ryan. Uh, this is TJ from Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm a Cybertruck dual motor with full self-driving reservation holder. Uh, I plan to grab a Model 3 in the meantime as a commuter car until my Cybertruck is ready. Um, but in saying that... Um, my call is about my concern about when I do get either vehicle, I eventually may not be able to drive it to work. Now, I'm in an area with a bunch of military bases. Um, more and more military and civilians are starting to adopt Teslas, which is great and it poses no issues. However, someone like me who works on a more secure compound inside of a base, I uh, might have a potential issue. Um, when you come on compound, you're expected to kind of go off-grid um, and you can use your cell phone on compound as long as it's outside of a building but there's no geotagging to social media absolutely no cameras or recording video anywhere at all so it's my understanding uh, Tesla cameras are always rolling uh, I know I can turn off sentry mode when I'm parked but what about when driving is is it on all the time with full self-driving a uh, bigger question here is full self-driving is always sending footage back to Tesla. Uh, it just raises some concerns. If our security team and cybersecurity officer got wind that any of that could be happening, there would be some knee-jerk reactions and major policy changes, unfortunately, not in the favor of Tesla owners. So anyway, just want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, thanks for a great podcast. Out of here. TJ, I respect and understand your concern here. And I have to be honest. I don't have a concrete answer for you, so I'd like to open this one up to any other military personnel who may be listening, who may be able to speak to this better on the policy side than I can, and if they have any experience with their own Tesla. Now, with regard to the car side of things, yes, you can turn Sentry off as if it never existed. Uh, Tesla can pull snapshots from the fleet for neural net training, though. So, in theory... That, mean, that could mean your car at your workplace as well. Now, I hate to say this to you, but I wonder if the bigger concern is the fact that the car is connected to the cellular network at all times. Teslas are not the only cars like that anymore, uh, so maybe it's an accepted thing on the base, but based on what you just told me, that could also be an issue for you. But to answer your question, the cameras are always running, but they don't have to always be recording. 
I hope that helps, TJ. Thanks so much for your call. Let me do one more call this week. It is from Pat in Illinois. Hi, Ryan. It's Pat from Illinois. Um, Just wanted to talk to you about two topics. Uh, The first one, uh, I'm a Model Y owner, and I'm trying to figure out how to turn off the passenger side fan when the passenger is in the seat. I know it can turn off when they're not in the seat. Um, My uh, fiance, she's always cold and I'm always warm, so I'm trying to keep the fan on me, uh, but she can't turn hers off and uh, she ends up just pushing the fan you know, in the direction away from her, but there's just no way to turn it off. I was wondering if there's something I'm missing that I can't figure out. Uh, the second one I wanted to talk about is unlocking the charge port from the car um, when you charge overnight. I used to, in my first few months of ownership, be able to push the button on the actual charge port itself um, as long as I was near it and it picked up my phone. Now, I think after the most recent software update, I actually have to unlock it manually from my phone. So I didn't know if there was any advice on those. Um, Appreciate all you do for the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Believe it or not, Pat, I don't believe you can turn it off. I think it's an odd quirk of the system. I mean, if Tesla could turn it off via software, I'm sure they would. In fact, I believe the new S can toggle it individually. So perhaps there was a hardware issue there that they took care of with the new S, which is that that system's like three, four years newer than what's in the threes and in the Ys. As for the charge port door, remember that if the car is unlocked, you can always just push the charge port door with your finger. It's like a giant button, basically, and that will open it as well. So I hope that helps. Thanks for calling in. Thanks to everybody who called in. Again, I welcome your calls. I invite you. I gave you the call-in information at the top of this segment if you'd like to participate in the podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. I'm not done with this podcast, though. Come back here in just a second with Pro Tip of the Week, uh, my thoughts on my second week with the full self-driving beta, and more coming up in just a moment. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Uh, Hearing Steve Downs' voice getting me fired up for Halo Infinite coming up in about a month's time. In fact, I got to go up to 343 and play Halo Infinite, 343 being the developer, of that. If you are curious to hear about what I thought of playing Halo Infinite, check out our coverage on IGN, my day job, IGN.com. Uh, back to all things Tesla. My full self driving beta impressions, I'm on 10.4 now. It's been two weeks. What's interesting is I did get 10.4. They're doing a more of a staggered, slower rollout, and I didn't get it right away. And I thought, well, that's fine. I was one of the people added later to the beta. But then it started to get, uh, what was it, Tuesday, I think? And yeah, that's right. It was Tuesday, and I still didn't have it. I I didn't drive the car Monday. So when I got in the car Tuesday, boom, I had it prompted me for the software update. What's And the only thing that's strange about that is I didn't get a push notification on my phone when that software update was available like I always have. So I don't know if it did come in on Monday, and I just didn't see it since I didn't drive the car then, but... Anyway, that was a little strange. And then even when I did install it, the release notes didn't pop up when I got back in the car after the install finished, which they always do. So that was just a strange thing. Not really a complaint, just an 
odd observation. But anyway, I did have a couple of better drives this week compared to last. Unsurprisingly, they occurred outside of San Francisco. Uh, In fact, at one point I got from, where was I going? Well, it doesn't matter. Most of you guys don't live here. But I, I got, I did a, you know, let's probably a mile and a half from where I was to the freeway. And it did that and then gets on the freeway and goes into the, you know, production stack autopilot. And that works just fine. And then to my exit and then probably went another eh, mile and a half or so. And it it made it the whole way except I had to make a left turn after I'd already gotten off the freeway down into the neighborhood I was going into. And there were there was a, a crew of workers there, a bunch of cones kind of rerouting the, the, the lane. And I could have let the, and I had to make a left uh, there. I could have let the car try it, but given that there were workers like physically there in the road, I just didn't even, not that, not that the car was going to hit him because I'm there like holding the wheel and I've got my foot hovering over the brake, but I just didn't even want the car to freak him out. So I just, I just intervened, took the left myself and then turned the FSD beta right back on and it got me to my destination from there. So that was a really cool drive. That was one of those times where it felt magical. It felt great. But again, other times it just it just behaves so strangely and so uh, sometimes frighteningly. In fact, my wife uh, has been in it a bit with me now, and she she is optimistic, but again, she <laughs> she also finds it has found it terrifying at times because you know she's the passenger. She has no idea what the car is going to do, and she hasn't been driving it repeatedly like I have. So everything it does is a bit of a surprise to her, both good and bad. But, you know, we're working through it. And in fact, you know, I had the uh, the monthly Patreon-only Google Hangout call last weekend for the Maximum Plaid tier and up, folks. And there were several people on that call that also had the FSD beta. And we we kind of all said the same thing. And that is, it's neat that we all get to be a part of watching it evolve step by step, which is pretty cool. Also, I wanted to point out something else new. I think this just got added because I feel like I would have noticed it the second it did, and I noticed it this week. On the production autopilot, so I, I don't think you need the FSD beta for this, but maybe it is just part of an FSD build, so I'm not sure. But the car now renders cars in every lane on the screen. Again, when you're on the highway autopilot, the FSD beta renders everything it can see in all the lanes. But the production autopilot that that up until now had just rendered cars in either immediately adjacent lane, just, you know, the lane on your left, the lane on your right. Now it's showing cars in every lane on the production highway stack, which is very cool. It just... I know it's a subtle thing, but it makes a big difference to me when I was looking at it in terms of the amount of confidence that I perceive in the system where I you know, look at the screen and the screen is more full, right? It's, oh, there's all these cars here. Look what the car is seeing. It's just really neat. So uh, be on the lookout for that if you haven't seen that already. But that said, for anybody else who's had their radar-equipped Tesla switch over to the vision-only autopilot with the FSD beta. That's what happens. You Even if you have radar in your car, it gets turned off with the FSD beta and you go vision-only. And in that experience, I wanted to put this out there to folks. You don't have to call in with this necessarily, but just food for thought. You can tweet me 
at DMC underscore Ryan. You can uh, email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com if you want, but you know, you don't have to. I'm just just kind of wondering aloud, does the vision-only autopilot seem like a noticeable step down in smoothness of autopilot and a natural feeling driving of autopilot? Again, on the production stack, I'm not even talking about the FSD beta. I'm talking production on the highway, production stack. To me, it it seems like it's noticeably a step down compared to where I was, I guess, what, two weeks ago when I was still before the FSD beta came and I was still on the, the regular uh, regular highway autopilot. It just, to me, with radar, I should say, it just, to me, seems like it's jerkier and it starts and stops and it also changes speeds more often than the system used to when, it, when I was on the radar in an annoying way. So am I crazy here? Am I the only one seeing this? I don't know. Maybe I am, but it, it feels like a difference to me. All right. Uh, that's just about it for all of that. But first, pro tip of the week, it comes from Albert in Toronto. Hi, Ryan. My name is Albert, from uh, calling from Toronto, Canada. I just have a pro tip that I thought some listeners might enjoy. I've had my Tesla Model 3 long range for about three and a half years, and I never knew that, and I don't think I've ever heard anybody else mention it. Basically what it is, is if you look at, if you're on cruise control, what happens when you're on cruise control, you'll see the, the speed that you're going at, that the car is set in the little circle, that circle blue with a max underneath. On the left, you'll see the speed that you're going at, and on the right, you'll see the max speed for the street that you're on. If you, if you just tap on the max speed that the street is set on, it'll automatically set the cruise control speed to that. And on the other hand, if you speed up, for example, and you tap on the speed that's on the left, the one that is actually the one you're actually going at, you will then set the max cruise control in the little blue circle to that speed. So just a little bit of sensitivity on, this, on the screen there that has some programming behind it that I guess the Tesla engineers do as a little uh, tidbit just for fun. So I just thought... That's a good one, Albert. I have used that one myself from time to time, but you know, if I have played that on the podcast before, it's been long enough that I can't remember it. So I'm happy to share it again here. Thank you very much. Uh, if anybody else has a pro tip of the week they'd like to share with their fellow Tesla drivers, please send it in. I would love to hear it. You can send it in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. And by the way, just kind of uh, to circle back for a second to my point, or at least my observation that I feel like the vision-only autopilot is a step down in overall quality of experience compared to the radar version. I do want to make clear, I would expect, even if that really is the case, if if I'm correct in my perception there... It will get better. I'm confident in that. And I know because, you know, they've they've only just switched over to vision only autopilot. That happened in May, I think. So it's only been a few months. And when Tesla first switched over to their own in-house autopilot period, when they got their divorce from Mobileye and moved from autopilot one to autopilot two, and they had to rebuild everything and start from scratch, it took a while for feature parity to happen from what autopilot one had to then Tesla rebuilding their system from the ground up. And, you know, it won't be that drastic here. It's just a removal of radar versus a, an entire new system. But I would expect improvement, even if, again, the system is is maybe not quite as 
uh, overall smooth as it was for those cars with radar. All right. Uh, before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast. Let me start with abstractocean.com, makers of so many fine aftermarket Tesla accessories. So many, I can't list them all here. So many, I just want you to go to abstractocean.com and poke around, see what they've got. I mean, the highlights, as always, are the now fourth generation tempered glass screen protectors with, and they're going nuts with this. It's got an antimicrobial coating. It uses aluminosilicate glass, which is the same stuff that Corning uses on Gorilla Glass. It's got, uh, it ships with an installation frame, making it very easy to and clean to install. Lifetime guarantee. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Definitely recommend that accessory. There's also the rear footwell lighting kit, which I think is especially relevant to Model Y owners because the seats in the Y are up on risers. So, you know, have a little extra uh, nice LED light, white light under there to match the rest of the accent lighting in the car is a good way to go. So just poke around, take a look, abstractocean.com. Put in everything you like into your online shopping cart there. And when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST, to get 15% off of your first order. Uh, How about the snap plate? If you got to have a front license plate on the car, please make it the snap plate. I I promise you, you will not regret it. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. That's everyamp.com slash RTL. This thing is easy to get on, easy to get off, but secure when it's on. Uh, and it's going to not mess with the grill. It's not going to, there's no tape residue. That's like, like what the factory one Tesla gives you. It's not going to mess with the radiator. It's not going to mess with autopilot. It's not going to get in the way of anything. Just a nice, clean, minimal design. Go with that rather than the one that Tesla gives you. So check that out. Uh, what else? PureTesla.com slash RTL. Uh, they have, of course, the dash cam and sentry mode set up. 128 gigabytes for 49 bucks, shipped free anywhere in the U.S. Go to puretesla.com slash RTL. Just order it, and it's going to ship. Come, it's going to work right out of the package. Plug and play could not be easier. It's micro SD based, though it does plug in via USB right into your center console, so that it's it's just the the best way to go for the dash cam and sentry mode on that. And remember, they also have their cool little wireless game controller kits that are kind of Super Nintendo, you know, thin profile, low profile style controller that'll fit nice and easy in either your glove box or your center console. So if you do like to play games in your Tesla at supercharger stops while you're waiting to pick up your kid from school, whatever it is, grab their kit from puretesla.com slash RTL. How about Immaculate Reflections, a wonderful detailer here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. If you're going to be here with your car, I recommend you stop in and see Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. He offers a discount for listeners of this show. So uh, get in touch via his website, irdetailing.com. And when you do mention that you are a Ride the Lightning listener and that you would like, you politely mention, may I please have the Ride the Lightning discount and Jeff will happily oblige you on that. Whether you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years 
whether you want to do paint protection film on the front of the car or all of the car or some key areas, rocker panels and what have you, he can do that. Uh, maybe you want some paint correction to get your paint job looking as absolutely perfect as it possibly can. Maybe you want to mix and match. Do a couple of those, all those. IRDetailing.com. And finally, the friends at Jada. They've got their USB hub console for those of you with Model 3s and Ys from the 2021 or now 2022 model year. That thing is everything that your Tesla could want in the center console that the company doesn't already provide you from the factory. It's a storage organizer. It's a USB hub. It's an Apple Watch charger. It's an AirPod charger. I really like mine in my car. I've got the the pre-2021 version as well. Uh, that That's actually technically a different product. It's the center console tray, the the uh, USB hub consoles, you know, little just a little different custom fit for the 2021 and 2022 Model 3s and Model Ys. But anyway... That's awesome. Or grab, if you have a, a pre-2021 Model 3, grab the version 4 of the wireless charging pad for your phone. Uh, I've got one in my car. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite aftermarket accessory out of all of the many aftermarket accessories. Anyway, coupon code there, RTL. That'll get you a little discount. And the website to use, please use my referral link if you would be so kind. It's getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Go there, use that RTL coupon code, and grab whichever of the Jada products interests you most. And finally, uh, if you're not already subscribing slash following the podcast on your preferred podcast service, please do that. That way, you don't have to remember to go find the show each week. It'll find you when the show releases every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. I'm on all the big stuff, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify, which are both natively in your car as well if you want to listen that way. Or you can find me on YouTube just as an audio-only feed. You're staring at a logo of the podcast. It's just the audio, but if you do want to listen there, you can do so very easily. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You'll find my channel very quickly. You can subscribe to that if you so choose. Finally, the Patreon. That is the primary and best and most preferred way that I would humbly ask if you're willing and able to support my efforts week in and week out here on Ride the Lightning. The Patreon is the way to do that. Patreon is a platform that supports creators. You know, if there's an artist you like, a musician you like, a writer that you like, a poet that you like, a podcaster, perhaps me, that you like, that you say, hey, I'd like to help support you so that you can keep doing the creative thing that you're doing. My my uh, page there is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And there are many different support tiers, several of them. From five bucks a month on up, there's the, I mentioned earlier, the maximum plaid tier. That is where you get many perks capped off by that monthly group Google Hangout that we have a blast at every single month. So you can see all the support tiers, everything, all those little bonuses that you get, those little perks. Check all that out on the Patreon page, which again is patreon.com slash Podcast. And with that, before I go, let me say hello and thank you to the Patreon supporters at the 
plaid, maximum plaid, and Roadster in Space tier. I'll start with the Roadster in Space group. I want to thank Howard Anthony Smith, who comes to every single one of the monthly group Google Hangouts and always has great topics of conversation. Howard has kindly upgraded to the Roadster in Space tier from the Maximum Plaid tier. So, Howard, I am grateful for your generosity. Thank you so much. And the rest of the Roadster in Space crew, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, and Rolf and Jennifer Evers. Thank you all very much. On the Maximum Plaid side, the newest Maximum Plaid backer, thank you very much. Also left a kind note on Patreon as well, which I sincerely appreciate. SonarTech77, thank you very much. And then alongside the other Maximum Plaid folks, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, another Aaron, John Cody, and the aforementioned newest Maximum Plaid backer, Sonar Tech 77. And finally, there is, of course, the, the Plaid level crew who's been with me for quite a while as well, most of these folks. Thank you sincerely to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. I appreciate everyone's generous continued support on Patreon. It does make a huge difference in the lives of myself and my family. Uh, I thank you. And for now a very, very sleepy Daisy the Boxer, she is conked out over there on the couch. I'm Ryan McCaffrey signing off here of Ride the Lightning episode 328. Happy electric motoring to all of you, my friends, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car.
it's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun. 